Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. In his novel, Tempest Toss, Canadian novelist Robertson Davies wrote, The eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and the theme for our show today is the gift of perception. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be part of our mission to increase literacy and positive media messages. It's always the season for giving, so give big. Today, we have Alex Polakos talking about how our perceptions can be influencing what we think about our health. Take it away, Alex. Hi, guys. Tonight, the theme of the show is the gift of perception. With that in mind, the Health Wrap is going to examine how a person's perception of their own health and health risks has important implications for their actual health. When I talk about perception and health, I am referring to an individual's personal opinion on his or her health status or their opinion on the riskiness of potentially unhealthy behavior. The interesting thing is that oftentimes the way people view their own health or health risks doesn't always reflect reality. And that is where the potential problem begins. Think about it. It makes sense that if your perception of your health is too positive, you may not take proper care of yourself thinking that you are much healthier than you really are. The same goes for true for risky behavior with regards to eating, drinking, or smoking. If your perception of the risks is not accurate, you could be doing things that are more harmful to your health than you are really aware of. Now, it is definitely better, it is definitely true that our perceptions of health are highly subjective and clearly differ among individuals. Sometimes people's opinions of their own health may even differ from that of their doctor. In this case, the patient may decide they don't need to heed the doctor's advice, for example, regarding the need to change one's diet and to start exercising. Some recent studies were done to see how Americans perceive their personal health. One particular study focused on young adult women. A large majority of the women in the study reported their health as good or excellent. They said that they viewed health as a very important and that they generally use positive health practices. However, the same study revealed that lifestyles of many of the girls do not back up their positive perception of their health and healthy behavior. 
In fact, the study showed that in reality, there were a number of bad health practices exhibited by the young adult woman in the survey. These included drinking and and driving, ineffective stress management strategies, lack of proper diet and nutrition, and poor exercise habits. There have been many similar studies showing that our perception of our health can influence the choices we make and the behaviors we engage in. For example, if our perceptions of our health are too optimistic, we might not be as careful as we should with regards to the foods we eat, the exercise we need. We might not even bother with getting checkups at the doctor if we perceive them as unnecessary. So you can see that when it comes to our personal health and our choices for a healthy lifestyle, perception plays a very important role. It is important that you make sure that your perception of your health and health risks is an accurate reflection of reality. Sometimes patients report that they are very healthy when evidence suggests otherwise. A perfect example has to do with chronic illnesses that progress slowly and without any noticeable discomfort. For example, people with high blood pressure may feel great, but if they don't take proper precautions, they could be at a very high risk of a heart attack. The best way to have an accurate perception of your health is to make sure you have a good understanding of the need for proper diet, exercise, and checkups with your doctor. Ah, very interesting. Thank you for sharing this information about how, you know, perception is so subjective. And sometimes I think if we're so, if we just look at things through our own, our own eye or our own lens, that can kind of cloud our vision about what's actually going on. And I think that's of particular importance when we talk about health. So what are the implications for healthcare in America if people's perceptions of their health are too optimistic? Because I think some, th- some people might look at that and not see that as a particular problem, but it is, right? Well, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And even with, lots of, even with lots of evidence that suggests that Americans are not as healthy as they think, mm-hmm. most people still think their health is really good. In fact, 61% of individuals in America rate their health as excellent or very good. The problem with this perception is that it isn't truly reflected of reality. For example, a recent very large four-year study showed that nearly 90% of teenagers don't exercise enough to stay fit and healthy. It's pretty clear that if people in general perceive that their health is to be excellent, They neglect to engage in things that are important to long-term health, such as diet and exercise. Ultimately, that means more people will be prone to health-related illnesses and thus adds to the tremendous cost of America's healthcare system. Mm, Yeah, what's interesting about that 61% of individuals in America rating their health as X-Men are very good, what's interesting about that figure to me is that I believe... More than two-thirds, or about 68% of adults in America, are considered to be overweight or obese. So yeah, those don't really seem to jibe with each other. And that makes me wonder, by what metrics are people judging or perceiving their own health? So is it just sort of, you know, if you can kind of function and really day-to-day, low-activity level type of things, like your job, or, you know, driving to work, or taking out the trash, is that kind of... What are the metrics that people are using to perceive their health as positive? Well, since it's based on their own perception, it's pretty much any metric uh, the the individual wants to use. So it can be any of the things you listed. Mm, So it can really range from anything that would be probably a good metric or something that wouldn't be very useful. 
Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. And I think too, with the rise of sedentary lifestyles, um, those metrics are probably the standards for them for, you know, for what is health probably lowers because, you know, maybe a century ago, two century ago is when people were doing more physical labor. Um, exactly. Yeah. Do that, right. They, they couldn't do that type of work. Then maybe they would be more inclined to think of themselves as unhealthy. But, you know, nowadays, if you get into a car and you can drive to work, all right, um, some people might think they're just fine. So can you tell us some of the things that influence our own perception of our health? Yeah, yeah, that's another good question. There is no doubt that individuals' perception of their own health can be heavily influenced by the media. A perfect case in point is how fashion models and Hollywood movie stars like to stay very thin. If the media portrays that the ideal body for women is to be super thin, then this could be a misleading message to young women who may perceive that they are not healthy enough because they don't look like this ideal. This could lead to bad dieting and nutrition. Another big influence on our perception of our health is from our parents. It turns out that how we are raised and our parents' attitude towards health, diet, and exercise and so on has a strong effect on how we ourselves perceive health. Again, I think the important message here is that people need to get knowledge about their health and health risks. This way, they can make sure that their perception of their health is based on solid facts. Mm, interesting. So how can we get that proper perception of our health? How can we do what is right for our bodies? Um, well, I, I think uh, the, the most important thing is to really focus mm-hmm. on diet and exercise and, you know, getting regular checkups with uh, a doctor. I think those mm. are the three best things you could do to kind of get a better perception on your health. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting to me is that earlier we talked about the dangers of too many people perceiving their health as too good, when in fact it is not. Um, I also think of the danger of too many people perceiving their health as bad, which, you know, kind of leads to hypochondria, or, or it brings up the idea Yeah, of yeah, yeah, you can definitely right? be on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, you know, I wonder, how do you think technology has affected um, hypochondria, you know, because now... Anyone at their fingertips has resources to has access to resources like WebMD, you know, which you can get any amount of information on anything you want. And, you know, there's really no age cap on there unless, for example, your parents um, disable some some websites on your computer. Really, this information is so readily available. How do you think that technology and, you know, apps and all these things kind of play into our our understanding of health? and diseases and how that might apply to us. Well, you know, it, it definitely gives us a lot more information, uh, you know, at the access of our fingertips. So it really depends how you end up using it. If you use it correctly, I think it can be really helpful. And, you know, it might, it would be, it would allow you to perceive your health better and more accurately. But on the other end, like how you were talking about, I think if you see all this information and you don't really know, what to make of it, then it could lead to things like being becoming a hypochondriac. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting you brought up that idea at the end, actually, um, having all this information and not really knowing how to process it. Um, lately, I've been really interested in personal genomics, right, and websites like 23andMe, um, different companies that allow you to sequence your genome. And one thing I was actually thinking about the other day is that all these websites, you know, now people can access the this kind of information by themselves without kind of the filter of a doctor. 
which is good because it kind of democratizes this health information. But it can be really hard because when that information isn't explained to you by a doctor, when it's just kind of written there in bare black and white ink, you know, it, it, it opens up the door for people to perceive it in different ways. And some of those might not be particularly conducive to their health, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you got that spot on. Yeah, so um, we in this segment, we've talked a lot about diet and exercise and how those are two key um, steps that people can take to ensure they're in proper health. How, what, do you have any tips for the everyday person, you know, with regard to, to exercise? Because I know that can be particularly difficult now with all the busy lives that we're leading. Um, what sort of things do you like to do that are easy, fun, and effective? Um, I think, you know, you should, you should do whatever sort of exercise you most enjoy, whether it's running or going to the gym, swimming, maybe even dancing, really whatever, whatever you're best able to go out and do, even if it's just walking for 15 minutes. I think the most important Mm -hmm. thing is to make sure you get, uh, you know, a little exercise almost every day. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, with regard to eating, what sort of things should we be on the lookout for the same, you know? protein, dairy, that, that pyramid that I think we all learned in second grade or have, have things changed quite a bit? I think the, uh, the, the, the simplest thing we can do is just try and lower your calorie intake and try and stay, you know, under the recommended 2000 calories a day. I mm-hmm. think that's the kind of the biggest thing. You know, obviously there's a lot more finesse you can go into and kind of change the the type of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates you eat. But the biggest thing that will affect uh, your weight levels, which is kind of like the biggest problem in America right now, mm-hmm. is lowering your calorie intake. Mm, yeah, and that's something I think we can all do no matter where we are. So thank you very much, Alex. It was wonderful to hear all your insight, and I'm sure it'll help our viewers out a lot. Um, I'm Hannah Hundel, and you can support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more info on how to do this, go to bethestarur.org and follow our blog. Again, that website is bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our talk with our lovely co-host, Asia. Listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. 
Welcome back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Hannah Hundle, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Today we are discussing the gift of perception. What does this theme make you think of, Hannah? Well, I think perception is fantastic to cover because it actually spans several topics. You know, in the last segment, we heard Alex discuss how perception is linked to health outcomes and sometimes adversely so if we simultaneously neglect objective forms of measurement. I'd like to interject into the conversation, though, some definitions of perception with the hope that they can help maybe inform our discussion. As we can tell, perception is, just by dissecting the word, perceiving things or becoming aware of something through our senses. But with the nifty tool of Google, I found one definition that particularly caught my eye, and I want to share it with you today. So perception can also be defined as, quote, a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something, a mental impression. What is so interesting and important to know, I think, about this definition is that it really paints perception as synonymous of judgment or belief, giving it an unmistakable, subjective, even illusory quality. Why I mention this is because I want to launch into a conversation about self-perception and dissect what informs our perceptions of ourselves, our opinions of ourselves, our image of ourselves that we create in our head, particularly when we talk about ideas of beauty and worth. It's no secret that our youth is an incredibly informative time period, one where we begin to better understand ourselves and the world around us through our own lenses. But depending on how those lenses are tinted, our perceptions can take a turn for good or for the worse. I'll give an example. A popular facet of psychology research is childhood studies, or understanding what most shapes children's ideas, behaviors, and beliefs. In addition to the influence of parents, toys can play a notable role in a child's early mental development. Now, a toy that some of you might know, has come under much scrutiny in the past decade, is the Barbie. That famous doll with locks of luscious blonde hair, striking blue eyes, a large chest linked to an incomprehensibly small waist, and long, thin legs and thighs. Now, of course, a child of any gender may enjoy playing with a Barbie doll, but the marketing standard up to date has been branding the item as a girl's toy. And for many young girls, a Barbie doll, a gift received on a birthday or Christmas time, becomes a staple toy. And her image becomes pervasive and ubiquitous. Now, is there harm to this? Well, a study called, quote, Does Barbie Make Girls Want to Be Thin? The Effect of Experimental Exposure to Images of Dolls on the Body Image of 5- to 8-Year-Old Girls was published in a journal called Developmental Psychology in 2006. And it examined this very issue. And I want to read you briefly the abstract of the piece, which is the opening section of the article, because I think it summarizes the methodology and the findings of the study aptly for our discussion here today. So it said, quote, The ubiquitous Barbie doll was examined in the present study as a possible cause for young girls' body dissatisfaction. A total of 162 girls from age 5 to age 8 were exposed to images of either Barbie dolls, Emmy dolls, or no dolls, and then completed assessments of body image. Girls exposed to Barbie reported lower body esteem 
and greater desire for a thinner body shape than girls and the other exposure conditions. However, this immediate negative impact of Barbie doll was no longer evident in the oldest girls. These findings imply that even if dolls cease to function as aspirational role models for older girls, early exposure to dolls epitomizing an unrealistically thin body ideal may damage girls' body image, which would contribute to an increased risk of disordered eating and weight cycling, end quote. So I think this serves as a really great example of how perception is so powerful, but as I mentioned earlier in the segment, so subjective and illusory. It's so attached to what our senses are exposed to. So this has me thinking, if we could change the images that young growing girls are exposed to, could that maybe be a valuable first step in helping change their perception of themselves and their bodies? What if we saturated the markets with toys that promoted healthy, realistic standards that celebrated the diversity of body types that exist? How many less children would grow up feeling poorly about their self-images? Of course, I will acknowledge that positive media is not a panacea for every and all issues regarding self-perception in children, as competing psychological research suggests that the language that a girl hears her mother use when talking about bodies, can have an equal, if not greater, impact on that girl's self-esteem and perception. But nonetheless, I think that there are several roots on the tree here, if you will, and it would do us well as a society, as conscious entrepreneurs and marketers, to start somewhere to get to the core. I think that is so great, and I think this entire um, piece right here that we were talking about It's completely true, and especially at the end where you were saying that it's more important about what the young girl hears about uh, body image from her mother or the person that is raising her, because it really depends on the environment that you've grown up in. If you've grown up in a very negative environment, that's what your perception is of yourself, of your life, how it's going to be. But if you grow up with a positive uh, kind of surrounding, in your childhood, which I can say that my mom has done a great job with that. She was always telling me uh, that I am beautiful, that I do not need to change myself or anything or anybody. And I think that helps a lot with a growing young girl because as a young child, you are so impressionable and what you grow up in really defines your mindset as you get older. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I recently watched a TED Talk by a model, Cameron Russell, and it was called Looks Aren't Everything, Believe Me, I'm a Model. And in that talk, she expressed that there's some biological factor to what we consider beautiful, and she said it's that symmetry that we're biologically programmed to admire or proportionality, but that's something that we see in nature, in flowers, and the way that they unfold, you know, that sort of thing. But some of these really artificial beauty standards Right. That vary country to country, you know, across the decades, they vary so dramatically. Those great changes indicate that there is no such one thing as beautiful. It's always changing. It's so subjective. Exactly. So I think about the environment really impacting how we perceive ourselves is so true because a girl growing up in the 1920s um, might think differently, differently about beauty than, you know, any boy or girl growing up today. Exactly, exactly. And we actually, uh, as an English class in my junior year, we did a uh, presentation project 
showing what is beauty. And we said exactly what you said, you know, everywhere is different. Every culture, every country, every nation has their own perception of what beauty is. There's no exactly one definition of what beautiful is. And that's where perception comes in, is that everybody has their own perspective and perception of what beautiful is. You know, you if we all had the same idea of what it was, we would all dress the same, look the same, have the same hairstyle. Um, and it's just interesting because it, as a society, it seems like there is one definition that is trying to be pushed. Mm-hmm. And as individuals, and I, I think it's great that we all have our own self-expression, which I think is beautiful in and of itself, is that you, if you can express yourself the way you want to be and you have no care in the world of what anybody else thinks of you and you express yourself the way you want to be, that is beautiful. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the project that your class did regarding beauty, because I remember reading about a project that a woman did where she had her picture, um, just a, a, a picture of her herself from the shoulders up, mm-hmm. and she's barefaced, and she sent that to 25 different countries. Um, her name was Esther Honig, and she sent that to 25 different countries. And asked editors of, of different magazines in each country to Photoshop that picture oh, um, yes. her, to make her beautiful, right? And I mean, you can you can find this anywhere online. Go and look it up. You can see the pictures of the twenty five different pictures of the editors and what they did to to her face. And it's so incredibly intriguing because you know you flip through the photos and she doesn't even look like the same person, right? Because some thinned out her eyebrows, some thickened her eyebrows. Some put bold lipstick on, some put nude lipstick on, right? Some gave her kind of a cat eye shape with with her eye makeup, and some left her eyes very bare. So it's really, really interesting, and I think it's a great kind of springboard Mm -hmm. to launch into a conversation about maybe how these beauty standards have gotten, uh, you know, kind of went off the ground in each country and where they come from. I think a really clear understanding about where, you know, where societal norms come from is helpful because it helps you understand them for what they are, right? You know, if if we look back in American history and we see where, you know, these ideals of, you know, this hourglass figure and, you know, how that starts in Hollywood and, you know, it, it kind of, it helps us understand that this is not set in stone and this is not what we need to inspire, aspire to. It's just something that, people thought was cool, you know, emerging from Hollywood. But it, 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 that's what it is, just kind of a fad. So it I think it's very helpful to, to kind of call through history in a way, too, and understand these things. I definitely agree with that. And, you know, the perception does change, and that's really interesting to think about with beauty and, and uh, body image and self-perception is that if you try and conform to the social norms of what everybody else thinks is beautiful, you're going to get there, and then it's going to change. It's mm-hmm, never the same. Mm-hmm. same. Actually, BuzzFeed does this video every so often where they will take a culture and they will show the beauty norms starting from like the 1700s or earlier to now. And you'll see how much it changes. It's just that oh. you have to keep in mind that beauty norms never actually stay the same. They're always ever changing and it's never really set in stone, like you said earlier. So it's really just good to keep in mind that self expression the best way to express your own interpretation and perception of beauty yeah so yeah well thank you so much for such a terrific discussion i love talking about this kind of stuff but during the break please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos descriptions links blogs and more 
I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle. Please visit our charity site at bebastarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com forward slash bebastarur. Stay right here as we continue our amazing discussion on perception. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today on Express Yourself, we are discussing the gift of perception. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Today we have been enjoying this awesome conversation. We had just talked about self-perception. And one question that I had come to mind with regards to perception is... Is the glass half empty or half full? And I think that all comes from perspective and perception. And although perspective is a point of view and perception is what you interpret, and these have very distinct differences, I think these two concepts can be linked. And one quote from Aldous Huxley is, There are things known and there are things unknown, and in between there are the doors of perception. And the word of perception comes from the Latin word perceptio, which means receiving, collecting, and action of taking possession with the mind or senses. And I think that's really interesting because although perception is different from perspective, there could be uh, kind of a cycle and a link between the two because perception is an intuitive understanding of something, the understanding of an impression, and that being said, perceptions and perspectives could be based off each other 
uh, because we gain perception from perspective and perspective from the perceptions that we have, which is such an interesting and insane cycle. Uh, but everyone has their own way of seeing the world, you know, past life experiences, past scenarios, education, childhood upbringing, and degrees of exposure to the world can influence how an individual views the world around them. And we gain percept- perception of the world based off of really what's happening around us, cues that we see based off of events and actions of world leaders or A-list individuals. And what I mean by that is... Um, There really is a lot going on right now, especially with the uh, leaving of the Obama family from the White House and um, uh, President-elect Donald Trump coming into office and everything that is happening around the world with ISIS or um, just different people making certain decisions that the world today. It's interesting that our perspective of the world and what is happening is based off of where we are and how the situation impacts us the most. Mm, very interesting. I'm very interested and I'm still trying to grapple around, you know, this interplay really between perception and perspective. And, you know, that quote from Aldous Huxley, I want to read it one more time. I, I think it's so interesting. There are things known and there are things unknown and in between are the doors of perception. And like we've been talking about, this idea that you, you sort of, you change what, for example, we've been talking about children and toys. So, you know, you change what toy you put in a child, mm-hmm. in front of a child, and what their senses perceive will be different. So, it, it opens up the door to so many, you know, what ifs, right? Like, exactly. what if people, you know, could understand my situation from this vantage point? Or what if we could walk these people's shoes in a mile, Right. You know, how, how can we sort of bridge these gaps that exist between us and understand where people are coming from? And, you know, you open the segment by asking, is the glass half empty or half full? Um, well, you know, is anything really good or bad then if, if we start looking at it from everyone's vantage point and, and trying to see all the different perspectives and taking them all into account rather than just, you know, live, trying to live in a black and white world? How, how can we appreciate that gray area, right? Exactly. And with the quote from Aldous Huxley, it really made me think of the book that I read in high school, A Brave New World. And in the beginning of the book, it showed, I can't, I haven't read the book in a while, but what I do remember is how they created perceptions of the world for children that they really created. And you had different caste systems, which were the alphas, betas, gammas, deltas, and epsilons. And their perception of the world was created from environments that they were conditioned to uh, become used to before they grew into adults. And with the alphas, they were represented uh, as the intellectually superior group because they were conditioned that they were strong, they were smart, and they were conditioned to think they were important and they were the alphas of the world. And then um, you have the epsilons who really can't read or write, work uh, undesirable jobs, and Mm -hmm. they were conditioned to think, you know, that uh, flowers or pretty things were dangerous. And it was interesting to read how they did it. And they would take a child that was destined to be an epsilon, they would put um, flowers or a teddy bear or something that was Mm -hmm. initially nice. And if they went to that instead of something like dirt or, you know, something that we perceive as gross, they would 
uh, get a little bit of an electric shock and that would cause them to cry. So they would go to that pile of nice things again and again they would be shocked. So then they were conditioned to perceive those things as dangerous or undesirable. So then they would grow to become the people that worked the undesirable jobs because nobody else would. Which is mm. so crazy to think of. That's how perceptions are created. Mm-hmm. That's how they're created. And it's so crazy to think about how powerfully they stick, right? And and how much room is there really for, for changing those once they're formed? And it leads me to wonder, you know, what are the sources that help create our perceptions of the world? You know, of course, probably the one that everyone would name right off the bat is media, but I like to think about education, too, and how, you know, where we're educated and who educates us, how much of a difference that can make and how we perceive the factual information that's presented to us, right? Um, you know, I, I have a friend who grew up in, in the American South, and one time we were, he was in my science course at college, and, you know, one time we were talking about how we learned about the theory of evolution so differently and how the way that he, for the longest time, he completely disregarded, you know, any of the work of, um, you know, of of these scientists because of just the way that his science teacher in high school had presented this information. So I think it's not just what we learn, but it's where we learn it and who taught us it and kind of where we are in, in our life journey in that time that can alter, you know, factual information that we're receiving. And I think that's important to keep in mind when we talk about perception. And I think that really is an interesting concept once you get to college, because you have a variety of professors who came from different high schools, and they also graduated from different universities. So they have had uh, different educations and different professors who have taught them in a certain way. So there's a lot of variety and really once you get to college you're kind of able to challenge those perceptions that have been uh, really instilled in these professors' minds. You know, I, I've had a few different professors who had different political views than I did. And of course that was natural. They're not all going to have the same political views or, or world views as I do, but it was interesting to see how they brought up information because of the views and beliefs that they had. And mm-hmm. I think it's so great that, you know, you're not in high school anymore, nothing is really uniform, and uh, nobody's really learning the same way. You're all taking different classes and you all have different professors. So it's really interesting that you can really grasp the idea that you can challenge mm-hmm these ideas that are being presented to you and you can learn in your own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's incredibly important to take into account different cultural perspectives as well because growing up in different cultures can really influence our perception of different, you know, objective things, right? So a great example is I remember my AP psychology teacher from high school once talked about him visiting a Um, a small kind of trinkets shop um, that was owned by a Mexican-American couple. Mm -hmm. And he said there were various books in the shop. And there was one book that was all about the, quote, war of American aggression. Now, in history textbooks that we typically read in school, we read that as the Mexican-American war. Yeah. Right? But in in a Mexican textbook, it was the war of American aggression. 
So I think no matter, you know, our perspectives on anything, really, just to broaden the discussion, we have to be willing to kind of step outside of what we know and how we learned it and where we came from to understand the other side. And I think for any issue, that's the first step we can always take. And it can be really frustrating when you so deeply believe something that you've been so, you know, kind of entrenched in. And, you know, you've grown up knowing this and being taught this and learning this their whole entire life to kind of put yourself on the edge there for a moment and say, wait, maybe I don't really know. But I think that's so essential to to be willing to find, you know, to build bridges, really. It's about building bridges and kind of going over these gaps where, where we might not agree. Exactly. And I, when you mentioned uh, cultural perception, that really made me think of students who come from a foreign country and they come here to America and see our customs and our culture and they see what we perceive as normal and what we perceive as right and wrong and I'm sure they're just so taken aback at our customs they're like what the heck am I doing here (laughs) and um, it's interesting that if you think of it the other way is if we were to go to another country and get an education in some other nation we would think the same thing we would see these perceptions uh, of their culture as abnormal and they would be so different to us it's just interesting to think that people perceive and have a different perspective on the world that everybody else does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, bringing up college as you did is, you know, that's a particularly salient time in any of our lives. And, um, you know, I think for the people who do go to college, they realize just how transformative it is, not only in furthering your your textbook education, your, your academic education, but I think also your real world understanding of, yeah. of people, of where they come from, and um, just how that can inform the way that they operate. You know, I, I have a friend in college who's from India and just, you know, this is not particularly serious, but he was one day just so baffled by how he said Americans wear hats and doors. And <laughs> yeah. he just didn't understand that. And I'm like, well, like, I guess it's sort of part of the style. You just got to vibe with it. It's like, I, this makes no sense to me. Um, but, you know, that that was just a small moment, um, not too serious, of course, but just a small moment that kind of opened my eyes to everyday things that might be perceived really differently and strangely. I do hope, by, by people who are not familiar, I do hope to be able to eventually travel abroad um, or even yeah. study abroad maybe the next few semesters and to kind great. of make that happen for myself. Yeah, I hope that happens for you soon. That would be a great experience. Well, thanks everyone for listening and be sure to stay tuned for our next segment where we will talk about social perception, which is a little different uh, about what we've been talking about earlier. So during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. For info, go to events at our website at www.btsya.org. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we will continue our inspiring conversation. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here on Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about perception. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle. In this segment, we're going to continue and extend our remarks on perception. Throughout the show, we've been talking about perception with regard to health, with regard to ourselves and our our self-esteem and our ideas of our own self-worth based upon how we perceive societal beauty standards. And we've also talked about our perceptions of other people, whether they be, you know, individuals from different countries or, or different cultures. So in this segment, we want to talk about social perception, which is, quote, the process of forming impressions of other individuals. And we use this form of perception to help us understand who we interact with daily and understand the society we live in. Now, one thing that's really interesting to talk about with relating to this theme is facial expressions and body language and touch and eye contact, these forms of nonverbal communication that we encounter every day, each and every one of us, when we're holding conversations with either those we love or out and about in the world just trying to get along. I believe I read, Asia, that I think it was according to Psychology Today, which is a publication, um, a popular publication for psychology, that 75, maybe 80% of all communication is nonverbal. Can you confirm that figure? Yes, I have seen that too. And that is something that I learned in public speaking. And I am also going to be taking interpersonal communication this semester at my college. And that is actually very true. We have a lot of verbal communication, but I think the majority of how we communicate with each other is nonverbal. You know, we may say something that we don't necessarily mean because that will actually show through our physical action. Like, let's say somebody asks you a question or gives you a statement and you nod your head in agreement, but really you're probably like tapping your nails on something, you know, because mm-hmm. you actually don't agree with them. Or you have some sort of other point or counter argument that you have, but you don't want to make that person feel bad. It's just there's so much more to what we say. Uh, in our actions rather than our words. And this communication can actually give us an inference of what the other person is feeling, allowing us to form a perception of that person. So you could be asking yourself, why is that person acting the way they are? Is it because that's just who they are? Or is there something else that's influencing them to act that way? So let's say you were talking to somebody, um, someone who's super close to you, you may know the mannerisms of that person, but you're talking to them about something that was going on in their day, 
or something that you wanted to talk to them about that's a serious matter and they're giving you this strange disgusted look on their face mm-hmm. and you're wondering <laughs> you're wondering like are you making that face I'm saying or are you making that face because it's something that has influenced you in another way and you make a perception of what's going on in that moment um, which allows you to connect with that person or individual even more yeah you know I think what's um, it's really hard though to try to figure out how to kind of control our our nonverbal messages that we're sending perhaps yeah. or our body yes. language right because sometimes I know for myself personally I'm so immersed in the words that I'm saying that you know my arm might be somewhere and my leg might be somewhere else and you know I would hope that the person <laughs> at the other end could just hear the words which I think is incredible about radio because you know on here we're so focused on the content and just conveying this information that mm-hmm. I think that it's, it really is a skill to work on and I think as you mentioned working on it in debate is probably really important it is, especially if you're going to go into a profession that involves so much communication, uh, a.k.a. radio mm-hmm. or television broadcasting or something that requires you to physically talk to someone or with someone 24-7 with your career. And that is exactly why I'm taking interpersonal communication and public speaking and everything else that re- that pertains to the communications degree that I'm taking because it shows you the different ways that you can communicate, such as nonverbal communication. And it's something that you do naturally. It's not necessarily something that you can control, which is, a bit, which is really risky if you know someone who reads equally. <laughs> and uh, it's really kind of crazy to think that you have body language and facial expressions and you have certain eye contact, contact that you do without even realizing it you know your mm-hmm. brain is maybe thinking something else than what you're actually saying and social perception is used to really better understand another individual and it's natural it's how we process interaction with another human being and as humans we do this all the time without even realizing it you know we're making perceptions we're creating judgments about this other person that we're speaking to and we may not yeah. even realize it until either that conversation is over or you've made the right judgment or the wrong call. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, there's that forced perception of stereotypes. Uh, not all of them are necessarily bad, but this could lead to negative impressions. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was actually, the other day, I was watching a rerun. It was just on TV, the Dr. Phil show. And there was um, a guest being interviewed, and he was really interrogating her. Mm-hmm. And she was insisting, no, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. No, sorry. She was insisting, yes, I did. Yes, I did do it. But he said, as you're saying yes, your head is shaking no, which I thought was so interesting. So I'm starting yeah. to see that in, in everyday life. I'm not, I can't attest to the validity of that, but I just thought that was very interesting. And one thing, one way I like to apply it is whenever I watch um, politicians and in interviews and yes. they're interrogated pretty heavily, and they're insisting, yes, I did keep, keep all my promises, and yes, I told the truth, to sort of watch the way that maybe they shift, or, or you know, is their head nodding yes. no, or yes. shake, are they shaking their heads no while they're saying yes? Are they uh, keeping eye contact with the person that just asked them that question? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, fleeting eye contact is actually a sign that, that an individual is lying. So that's one thing that you can definitely pay attention to if you're trying to create that perception of the individual that you're talking to. Yeah, I've heard about eye contact. I've heard about also the direction that your eyes move in. For example, if you're looking toward the right, 
um, that could be a sign that the person or who's ever looking toward the right is telling the truth. If they're looking toward the left, they might be trying to make up something. I'm not quite sure how that relates to brain function, but that's one thing that I heard in a TED Talk. Um, I also heard that, you know, kind of shiftiness, sort of, if, if, if their body isn't kind of relaxed and they can't really sit down, if they keep kind of shaking their leg, or shifting in their chair, that could be a sign that they're maybe a bit uncomfortable. And, you know, if they're telling a story, maybe they're having a hard time making up things on the fly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And with these stereotypes and thinking, um, you know, things about a certain individual because that's what society thinks, I'm pretty sure we do this with people we don't necessarily like. And that's something that we need to pay attention to. You know, what is our perception of this person? And are we creating it just because uh, we have a dislike for this person? Do we create this perception because that's what everybody else says and they fit into that one category? Or are we making that perception because that's truly what the person is showing across their emotions, across their nonverbal communication and what they actually physically say to you? And when we have a dog interview, what is the employer perceiving about us? And when we're talking to someone we just met, are they forming a positive perception about us as well? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really important time to make sure that you're giving off the right body language. Yeah. And, you know, especially at a job interview. One thing that kind of tying this back to self-perception, which has also been a threading theme throughout this show, mm-hmm. is that, for example, if I go to bed super late and I have to wake up early for, say, a job interview kind of the things that I say to myself on the way to that job interview really impact, I think, how I present myself. So if I have to go to bed really late and wake up really early, obviously there are bags under my eyes, I'm tired. But if in the morning as I'm getting ready, I keep begrudging to myself how tired I am, you know, I I feel like I actually become more tired. Maybe it is a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. But I think also my perception of myself before I walk out the door can really make an impact on how I present my el- myself for others to perceive me. So I think it's really key, too, to make sure that your self-perceptions are positive, that you give yourself nice, good, positive affirmations. Because, you know, I think if you if you think that you're tired, you are. If you um, think that, you're, you know, you're, you're going to slouch, you are going to slouch. And, and things like that really do come into play. And it's important to make sure they don't in the case of things like job interviews. Exactly. And it all has to do with your mindset and how you really have an attitude about yourself, the world, what's going on around you. And I know that can all tie into perspective, which is what we talked about our last segment, how that can all tie in to one crazy cycle is that our perspective about something can influence our perception of what we see and what we feel and what we hear or think. And with what you were explaining earlier on how if you tell yourself you're tired, you're going to be tired. And honestly, I will admit that I do that every single morning because <laughs> I'm not a morning <laughs> person. But if I really tell myself that today is going to be a great day, you know, you'll really attract the positive vibes in, in your day. And that will help you just have a better perception about what's going on. You know, I'm pretty sure if you were having a great day and something negative happened, you would be like, oh, it's fine. You know, I've been having a great day so far. It's just one thing that got me down. I'll get right back up. But if your perception of the day is that you're having a horrible day and something bad happens, you're going to automatically think and realize that you know, more, more bad things are going to happen. It's just going to be a horrible day. So if you really have that mindset of positivity and 
allowing yourself to be open to having a better perception mm-hmm. of what's going on, that's going to help a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you really have to approach each day understanding that idea of self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, if you also kind of approach the world as if the world is a bad place, that's mm-hmm. probably what you're going to glean out of it, right? Yeah. Whereas if you approach each situation with an understanding that people are fundamentally good, you're always going to be looking for those positive qualities and qualities and even the people that might upset or frustrate you. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. I think that these conversations that we have are so great, and I think that we definitely need to have more shows together. Uh, we definitely miss you here, and we are hoping that uh, oh. going great. Uh, we're so happy for you, and we definitely support you. Uh, and it was a great segment showcasing how our perceptions can really be a gift depending on how your mindset is and what you go through. But it's time to say farewell, sadly. And we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top rated program. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For more info on our creative community, go to btsya.org and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be perceptive, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.